Uh, guys, I'm just a born bred, corn fed Kentucky native, <laughs> guys. Uh, so for me, the heritage that is bourbon, that's what the, uh, the whole bourbon heritage is about. You know, it's remembering about what was put forth before you and what they had to do to put us here to begin with. So, and that's the way I just view my job is just preserving that heritage and that history in the brand's identity. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. And we're back with another episode of the Burn Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and today we are in Loretto at Maker's Mark, and I've got Ryan here with me. Ryan, how you doing? Good, man. We're out on the road again, uh, out in central Kentucky, driving the windy roads, taking in all the scenery. Uh, I love this part of Kentucky and, and excited to be here. It was funny. On the way here, we actually were passing through all kinds of farm fields, and Ryan's got a degree in agriculture, 
And I'm just kind of like, well, are they just going to not have anything growing? They just have grass growing out there. He goes, Kenny, that's yeah. no-till farming. So. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was something that I, I'm very green to, so I have no idea what I'm talking about there. Uh, but before we kick off the show, there's uh, kind of something that, that I found interesting. So, of course, I'm on all the bourbon forums and kind of pay attention to stuff. And there was a huge debate recently of some Elmer T bottles of a 2015 release that have uh, – they, people have this, uh, they said that has a muddy water aftertaste or it tastes like cardboard. And I think the best response I saw was it's filtered through grandma's old clothes that were found in the attic. <laughs> um, but that's, uh, it really says it's, uh, it starts with a B15. So, you know, it's the 15, uh, 2015. And then, uh, the reports are that it's 264, 266 and 267, um, are the barrels that, are the ones that um, have this. But Buffalo Trace has already sent a response back saying that even barrel 256 that had the quote-unquote defects um, had no defects to them, but it was a slightly earthier and woodier and more intense, but within the original standard. So if you are uh, have a few bottles of this year's Elmer, make sure you check those and kind of you know take that information at will. Huh. Hopefully I don't get those ones. Get <laughs> That's what I actually, I went, as soon as I read that, I went right downstairs and made sure I didn't have any of those barrels. So I'm in the clear. But we'll go ahead and we'll kick today's show off. So today, uh, very excited to be here in Loretto. We are at Maker's Mark, and today we have Greg Davis. Greg is the master distiller at Maker's Mark. So Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So one of the things that we always ask when we kick off the show is tell us about your story. Like, where'd you come from? How'd you grow up? How'd you get into what you're doing? Uh, guys, I'm just a born bred, corn fed Kentucky native, guys. Uh, so for me, the heritage that is bourbon, that's, uh, that's really what drove me this direction. So I can't, uh, I can't really say that there was one thing that, uh, there brought was no me first into, bottle or anything that was like, <clears throat> no, never, never, <laughs> <laughs> never touched the stuff personally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's like mouthwash, right? You just put yes, it in, you spit yes, it out, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. You never know. You yeah. Never I know. never inhaled, says the famous quote, right? Um, so I guess give us some background about, you know, how did you get to, to where you are now? Like when did you start with Maker's Mark or what were you doing prior to this? Uh, I've kind of had a interesting past, but, uh, you know, I guess the best thing, I, I really don't want to say it's about my background. It's about those who trained me and my mentors before me. Uh, I've only been at Makers now for a little over five years, but, uh, my previous master distillers that I trained under, those were the ones because that was back before this was a whole marketing thing, uh, where they pulled people out of the distillery and you had egos and all that stuff. And I just stayed around long enough and took enough abuse that they figured out that they weren't going to beat me down. <laughs> and, uh, you know what? They, they opened up their minds and they opened up their hearts because it is about having a true passion for doing what you're doing. Because you can't just come into this lightheartedly and think that, oh, hell, I'll just make some bourbon today. Mm -hmm. That's not what it's about. So I guess let's pay some respects to those people that came before you and taught some of the things that you know. So what are the, some of those key things that you remember from your past of going through your your mentorship that you've always kind of taken that in your, your daily duties? The number one thing is you never learn anything while everything's going right. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I think everybody can relate to that in one way or another, but Really, that's, uh, you know, that's really how I started. I'm just a very curious person about what I have going on in front of me. And so I want to know. 
I want to know. And it was just the way that they taught and the way that they trained, they made sure that you knew it because the job of a master distiller is not to create or come up with all this crazy stuff. And, and that's, that's not me anyway. It's to preserve what was put forth before you. Mm-hmm. And that was their motto. That was what they instilled into me. And it doesn't make any difference whether you or I or anybody else think that it is a good, bad or ugly component of that bourbon or of that brand. It is that brand. It is that personality. And Maker's Mark really uh, wholly takes that into effect because think about it. In our 60 plus years of existence, how many products do we have? Exactly. It's uh, the, yeah. Maybe three now, two yeah. or three. <laughs> and it's four, all the four, same Four, I think, formula. two come, but yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, all, it's, it's all, all the same. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, that is, that is kind of uh, interesting. And you did say they all come from the same mash bill, right? The same recipe. Mm-hmm. Now, there is, I, I guess you could say, sort of a, a fabled past of where this, this weeded recipe comes from. I mean, can you, can you talk a little bit about like, because I know, at least from when I was here before, there's always like the rumors of like it was handed down between somewhere between Stitzel Weller and Van Winkles and then the people beforehand, you know, there was a kind of a shake underneath the table or something, how like the, the weeded recipe kind of came to be at Maker's Mark. No, I think that it was really about listening. And the great thing about TW, it was that the fact that he listened to everybody. He didn't just listen to the Van Winkles or anybody else. He listened to everybody and he took what he felt was the best component or best part of their process and incorporated into make what is maker's mark because it's the process that makes the product. Mm-hmm. And that is what is so unique about maker's mark and in everything that we do around here. It's, it is, it's about listening. So with that, you're trying to preserve the history, preserve the brand and everything like that. So I guess we'll, we'll talk a little bit about maybe the, the two brands that maybe, maybe call it a brand. Maybe it's not a different uh, flavor of it. Now, of course, we know the difference between Makers and Makers 46, mm-hmm. but give give our listeners who are, uh, when they're looking at two bottles on the shelves and they don't have any idea what the, the real big difference is between the two, except maybe uh, a price tag and the, and the different shape of the bottle. Well, one of the great things about Makers Mark, it, it is one of the only flavor-forward bourbons you're going to find. So in other words, if you were to take your tongue and fold it in half and think about that, that's your dividing line. The more forward it is, the sweeter it is. The further back it is, the more bitter it becomes or the more tannic in nature. And when you take Maker's Mark, it will be up on that forward portion of your tongue and you can feel your taste buds firing off, but it is a clean, crisp, mouth-watering finish. It doesn't linger, but with 46, what we do is we take that fully matured Maker's Mark. We take that barrel of bourbon out of the warehouse. What we do is we empty that barrel of bourbon out, and then we pop off the head. So we pop off the hoop so we can get the head out. We insert 10 seared 18-month-old French oak staves down inside that barrel. Put that same bourbon that came out of that barrel right back in there for another 8 to 11 weeks. And it's with that process that we get a much bigger, bolder expression of Maker's Mark. However, it is without the tannins and it has a long lingering finish. 
No, I, I think it, that's what I really love about it because I remember when Makers 46 first started coming out and that was one of the first things I went and grabbed. And it does, it has a much different flavor profile than what you would get with the regular Makers. So it's definitely something you want to have side by side so you can really compare the difference of, of what you're getting out of each one. So, it is. It is a lot of fun drinking the two. Just, you know, one doesn't hit you, the other one will. Yeah. <laughs> so no. what made you go with French oak for, yeah. you know, to put it in there? Why go with that type of wood? You know, and that's one of the great things. Uh, the team here, you know, we worked with our barrel supplier. And again, it's about listening. And it's about listening to what everybody is telling you. And uh, we worked uh, specifically with Brad Boswell of Independence Dave with this. It's no secrets. Not trying to hide anything. It's right down the road. Yes, And, you know, we kind of took a little bit out of the wine industry, but one of the things that is unique about what we did is instead of charring these like thin little wafer boards, we actually seared them. So if you imagine, if you will, a guy standing with these uh, thin long wafer boards, sticking them in, looks like a dang pizza oven and he's sliding these things in you're using radiant heat. You're not using open flame, but you're using radiant heat to kind of like caramelize those wood sugars, just like you would caramelize the sugars in an onion, because I can't stand a raw onion. Yeah, it's terrible. But boy, if you you caramelize that thing, you cook it or you deep fry it, man, I can eat it up yeah, all there day you long. Go. For sure. And it's the same thing. I'm not going to go out and grab a piece of wood and start chewing on it, and I don't want that heavy wood note in my bourbon anyway. But it was listening to, and it is what the team did here. And when did Makers 46 like really come to market? Well, what year was that? 2010. 2010. Now, that was kind of like maybe a, the first of maybe some kind of experimentation. I mean, are you guys doing any kind of other experimentation that maybe you're not privy to talk about it? But, I mean, is there something that's always we, happening behind the scenes? You know, again, that that might be fun. But uh, we just we really just don't have the capacity here at Maker's Mark to go off and do all because you hear all this stuff about Triticale whiskey and I, I don't know groats. I mean, it just there's some crazy stuff going on out there. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stick to doing one thing and doing one thing really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that model has served us very well. And then last year there was actually another, I guess you could say, product that got put on the shelves, and that was the the cash strength or the barrel strength version of Makers. So, what was, I guess, the uh, the motivation behind that? Was there a need in the market that needed to be filled? Was there uh, just a, a new brand of consumers that are asking for it, or was it just something? This is we're going to put this out there as the Greg Davis special and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't the Greg Davis special. That's uh, I, I hated to see that go out because when I used to go around Thief a Sample, you know, there's nothing like barrel strength. Yeah, <laughs> right. that was my cut. I don't know why you don't. So, right but, now, really, uh, we were listening to the bartenders and the social media. We would host groups here at the distillery, and we would uh, Thief a Sample out of the barrel. And they would just absolutely go crazy for this. And it was really the bartenders that pushed us and pushed us and pushed us. And one of the things about Bill and Rob Samuels is the fact that they listen very well. And and even Bill pays attention to social media, which is kind of fun at his age watching him fumble through that. <laughs> and it's kind of fun for me because I fumble through it as well. But, you know, it was the bartenders that pushed us to do that. They said how great it was. And what is so unique about it is the fact that it is such a big, bold spirit, but it's unadulterated makers. It still is that mouth-watering, flavor-forward finish. But as you cut it back, you can release different components of that, 
and it made for great cocktails and different things like that. And so we just started letting the bartenders have a little bit. We started opening it up, and the next thing you know, everybody kind of got wind of it, and then it's all going out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember the first, uh, I think it was like a $35, like three seventy five, or maybe it was 50 bucks or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It that was sounds, one, of, yeah. one of the first ones to go grab it. I think it was even here at the distillery when it first came yes. out. And I, you know, we, we made the trek out here to come and get some. So yeah, I definitely remember my, my first sip of that. Yeah. It's, it's a really good product. I, once you, 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 you're a bourbon, once you get into bourbon and fishing, the barrel proof is where it's at for me now because you're tasting it, you know, just like you're, you're tasting it's it. It's unadulterated. You get, you get so much out of the, you get the taste of the barrel. It's not watered down. So like you said, you get two different ways and I really like the barrel strengths now. Yeah. It, it, you know, what's amazing is, um, filtration, of course, by definition means to remove. And when you start filtering, you're going to remove some of that mouthfeel. And that's what's amazing. When you're tasting the cast strength, you know, you're tasting straight from the barrel. It, you know, anywhere can be 112, 114 proof. I don't know what the last bottling that went out. I think it went around around 111.5. But you're tasting something that high proof. But yet the mouth-watering effect and all those naturally occurring wood sugars that we've caramelized through our barrel aging and barrel charring process and then through the way that we age, it just all is part of the maker's mark DNA. Mm-hmm. And again, it just still falls on that forward part of the tongue, even at that high proof. And that's what is so much fun with cast strength. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Talk about the aging process, because you all do something unique here that most people might not know to kind of keep the, you know, the the flavor is consistent. Yeah, we are the only distillery left out there that uh, still rotates our barrels. Uh, we have one of the lowest entry proofs in the industry. We go into the barrels at 110 proof. Again, guys, we have nothing to hide. Um, 
we age our wood for nine months to include no less than one summer. So what does that mean? Basically means that we store our wood for almost a full calendar year. And is any good chef will tell you if he's going to do a barbecue and he's not going to take green wood, Mm -hmm. he's going to take seasoned wood. And that's, that's essentially what we're doing. We're seasoning the wood. We're not out there sprinkling pixie dust on it. (laughs) You know, we're, we're letting mother nature do her thing and you're getting rid of all that sap and all that resin that's naturally occurring in there. And that's, and that's extremely bitter. And so after aging, then we're going to char our barrels to a number three char distiller. We're just all very simple people, you know, one through four mm-hmm. is a char level. And then we go into the barrel at 110 proof, and we will put that then on the very top floors of our warehouse for the first three summers. Because at the very top floor of the warehouse, you know, you're very, it's extremely hot. Typically, right. you know, it can be, it can be 20, 30 degrees hotter if you get the right humidity in the right summer day up on that very top floor. Well, that's why after three years, that barrel is going to breathe so much. In other words, you're going to send that alcohol as it gets hot. It's going to go way in deep into the wood and you're really going to start breaking down everything that's great about that barrel. However, we want to stop at a certain point because we don't want the barrel or the wood to be the star of the product. We want the spirit that came off the still in balance with the wood. And that's why we rotate down to the bottom floor. So it's always up top first for the first three summers. And then it comes down to the bottom floors where it's much cooler. And that's where you get your reaction where all of your flavors can come together. So you get all these barrels, you rotate them now, how does the picking process start? Do you guys just have a massive spreadsheet in Excel and it says like, all right, barrel number K2, whatever, that's got all these names from Maker's Mark Ambassadors. <laughs> this is the one that's going in. Like, like, how do you go through the barrel no, well, picking Well, the, the Batch Ambassador program is a little bit different. I mean, we still follow that. But, yeah, for the Batch Ambassador program, yeah, that's that's something that has kind of followed that. But it still follows that same rotation, that same pattern. But we have a formula for the way that we pull from the multiple different warehouses so that the uniqueness and the consistency is going to be there between every single barrel. It's not about trying to pick the honey barrel or take some from that was way up top or, you know, anything like that. It's it's about that consistency from barrel to barrel to barrel. And that's what drives us at Maker's Mark is that consistency. So you're not taking something that has been sitting on the top shelf versus something sitting at the bottom and kind of mix them together and say, now we've got our Maker's Special, right? You kind of That's correct. So you you take this, this I guess you'd say, the process of the aging of where it's laid inside of the rickhouses, and then those barrels are just rolled out after their time. Yeah, I just think it's always going to be up top for the first three years, and then it's going to spend uh, roughly the next three years or additional three years down on the bottom. So uh, Maker's Mark, we don't have an age statement because again we're not concerned about the time we're only concerned about the taste profile Mm -hmm. so it may be it may be six years it may be a little under it may be a little over six years but somewhere in that time period we're going to get what we're looking for which is that mouth-watering flavor forward finish so i mean with the doing a bigger batch i mean are you sampling from every single barrel or are you trying to say like we'll just do like every four or five because Man, it's, i it's wouldn't a lot have of- a liver if we tried to sample. <laughs> i don't think anybody in this plant would if we tried to sample every single barrel no it's you always take a representative sample from a lot or a day's entry so you're picking some uh randomly throughout 
that uh, is, will be a representative of what that barrel and that rick or, or that group of barrels will be like. But again, keep in mind that, of course, we are rotating. Again, first three years up, and the rest of its life is down on the bottom floor. So we're always pulling just from the bottom floors coming out. Now, how many rick houses do you have? Uh, I think currently we have uh, 34, and we're, uh, I think 35 is just about ready for occupancy. 36 is uh, still under construction, and uh, we're still building. Yeah, <laughs> continue to grow. But I mean, so I guess the question is, is, are you taking barrels from different rickhouses to be able to make these batches, or are they all from oh, the yes. same rickhouse? No, you uh, won't. Um, think of it like this. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. So you never just go into one complete warehouse and fill it up and then move to the next one. You never want to do that. So with somebody with your privy, are you able to go to different rickhouses and be able to say, like, this came from H or this came from 27 or whatever it is? Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately with makers, uh, because of that rotation style that we have – we, I couldn't tell you what warehouses they came out of because it's, it just, it just stays consistent. And that's part of our process. Again, it's the process that's making the product. Mm-hmm. And there's, so there's no like barrel that you're like, man, this one like shining like more than any other I've had. Like, <laughs> I, you know, uh, that the, the whole honey barrel that's, thing. Yeah, that's the Greg Davis special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I think we'll put a big X on this yeah. one. <laughs> roll this in the back of nobody, my truck. Everybody, yeah. Uh, everybody turn their head while I roll this in the back of my truck. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll see everybody in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so is it your your palate only that decides, oh, or do you no, have a no, tasting no, no, panel? No. no, it's it's again, guys. It's not, it's not about me. It's yeah. part of. It's, we have a big tasting panel here. I am part of that tasting panel, but that's it. Uh, what is unique about our taste panel is the fact that uh, uh, Diane Rogers, who heads our quality department, Diane uh, has a great team, and she does a lot of blind tasting, so that we quote unquote recalibrate our noses and our palates. Uh, because as you age, um, you will find that you will things that you were highly sensitive to, um, you may not be so highly sensitive to, and you just kind of change over time. And so Diane and her group does a phenomenal job of keeping people on the panel who are highly sensitive to everything. So that's why there's so many of us. On the panel. It makes sense because I've kind of gotten used to my kids screaming and I just watched the TV. Like I still hear, that's the only, <laughs> that's the only noise that I hear, right? Yes. Kind of, that's, that's probably a good way. Yeah. You don't hear the background noise anymore. That's, and that's one of the great things about the panel. Um, you know, I'm still very sensitive to tannins, um, still can detect must. Um, I'm one of the few people that can still detect must. And that is, that's a big thing for us here at makers. You know, Tell me about that. Sure. Like how do you, what's, what's a musty kind of, I guess, flavor profile nope. or smell or something like that? Um, it's slightly different from walking down into a base, a moldy basement. Um, there's a difference between earth and a difference between must. When I taste it, it is, it is a very unique um, acrid taste that I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of earthy, but I'm still able to differentiate between what is what is considered earthy and what is considered the grandmother must. cloth. That, yeah, yeah, yeah the grand, grandmother's, yeah, grandmother's underwear. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, a, I have a question that I'm this stills like. So you heard about pot stills, column stills, mm-hmm. you know, hammers, doublers, whatever. What is 
can you explain like this, like what kind of steel y'all use and why you prefer that steel and what makes it so oh, special? Oh, that's that's very easy. Very um, easy. We are continuous column distillation. Okay. Okay. So you have a beer steel which is designed to separate all the uh, uh, liquids and solids from the alcohol, and the art. The science behind distillation is all the stripping trays, your steam-to-feed ratios, reflux, things like that, uh, number of trays, tray hole size. There's just so many things. That's the science behind that. And the reason why you want to move to a continuous column system is, and I want you to think of it like this. When you're distilling on a continuous basis, you're only looking at one proof point. You're concentrating all your flavors to one proof point. When you're in a pot still, you're taking a range of flavors. So you'll start at the very high end because bourbon can't be distilled above 160 proof. So you'll start collecting at 160 proof, which is extremely light. Those are your very light, ripe fruit characters. And then I I don't know how low they would go to proof. I think the first cut, they probably, I don't know, maybe they take it down to 10 proof. So think about it from 160 to 110 proof. You've got all these flavors. You've got a light stuff. And then you've got, in other words, you've got the heads with a little bit of heart as you come into the middle of that proof range. And then at the bottom, you have your tails fraction. Mm -hmm. And then they're trying to take that and do another cut following that same thing. And you're trying to blend. But when you're on a continuous column system, you dial into the exact quality that you want every single time. So it's more consistent. It's consistency every single time. The key time. word here is consistency. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every, anybody can do a one hit wonder. Right. Anybody can do a one hit wonder. What makes it good is being able to repeat that time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. So I guess give us just, you know, as we're starting to wrap up here and people that are uh, really intrigued by, by what you're talking about and being a master distiller, give us, give us the sort of, um, what's your, what's your day from, uh, nine to 12 and from like 12 to two and then like two to five. Like what, what is, what does that day really <laughs> consist of? Uh, let's back up. Let's go to 630. 630. The there you go. Um, that's sorry. I'm an IT. I don't wake up until <laughs> <laughs> I got the West Coast to worry you. about. Twins, so I'm up at 630. <laughs> you know, it's, um, I, first thing I like to do is just come in, uh, power up everything, power up the computer in the office, and then I immediately hit the plant. I'm walking through, I'm checking all the production records, seeing how everything's going, looking, looking at charts, uh, going back, looking at lab analysis on every one of our fermenters, you know, how are they doing, how they're progressing, uh, looking at, uh, what kind of yield to expect, uh, because with your quality and consistency will come your yield, but we always look for that quality first. And then sometime around, uh, nine, between nine and 11 o'clock, I'm going to go to the tasting lab. Um, preferably the closer to 11 o'clock is the better, uh, for me. Uh, and just think about it at lunchtime. Do you start with your coffee with, with no, little, actually, I, no. Don't, I don't drink caffeine. See, I, don't, believe I, don't, it or not. I don't drink coffee either. So yeah, I just don't know if you like, you need that pick me up in the morning or if you, or if you just, unfortunately, I am a morning person. So <laughs> there, there was a long time ago when I was on third shift, it, it I thought I was going to die because <laughs> <laughs> I would be waking up about the time I was ready to go home. Right. Uh, and that was, that was rough, but, um, you know, the closer you get to lunch, the more heightened your sensory is. 
and the more you become just aware of all the flavors. So that's when I try to go over to our tasting lab and I'll go through and I'll look at the previous day's distillation. I'll look at every single fermenter that came off the still because we collect a sample off of those. We do uh, a taste profile on all of those. The taste panel does. In addition to the composite, which is all of those fermenters going into one tank, we'll look at that composite as well. But for us, we're backing up. We want to come back and we want to look at it from each individual still, from each individual fermenter to see if there's a problem. Because for a small operation like this, like Makers is, it's easy for us to look at it on such a micro level mm-hmm. and not wait till it gets to the macro level when you've got big composite tanks and, and going into the barrels and things like that. So, and then I'll work with Diane, um, uh, with her group, uh, and we'll go through quite a bit of data on a daily basis. Um, then, uh, in the afternoons, it's, uh, following up because we also oversee, uh, uh, our wet cake system, our byproduct side of that. Uh, so like just tri- typically spend my afternoons back there helping them out uh, because we've installed some new equipment and just trying to make us uh, uh, be able to process and handle the volume that uh, that we've kind of grown into now. Yeah, I guess last last with that, what is the volume? Like what's the what's the average bottle count that's coming out of makers on a day? I think last year we did uh, 1.8 million cases in 2015. Mm-hmm. And that growth just does not seem to stop because we actually ran Christmas Day this year. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was kind of a hard one to swallow. Right. Yeah. We need, we need the bourbon. <laughs> you got to run Christmas Day. <laughs> All really? right. I guess time and a half for everyone, right? <laughs> we run every other holiday. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, Greg, definitely appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, Ryan, if you want to kind of wrap it up a little bit. Yeah, I appreciate it. Makers is like we talked about earlier. It's one of those brands that, you know, it's like your first high end bourbon. You, the, I remember the first time I had, I was like, I'm rich, you know, <laughs> I'm, I, I made it to the big game. So I, I will say that, right? I mean, I remember, uh, just college tailgates. I mean, it was the typical thing, right? We would go and we would buy a, a bunch of VOB and, uh, Kentucky Tavern. That's what we would usually drink, but we'd have a few empty bottles of makers we always kept. And when it was alumni weekend, we'd always refill the makers <laughs> bottles with, with that stuff. Just cause, I mean, that's what we thought. I mean, we knew that at that point in our lives, that was, that was, that was really the, the premier, the premium brand that, that we really wanted to uh, kind of show off to some people. Right. So yeah, we, it's always a staple to have in everybody's household is just have a bottle of makers there. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear you're not going to be changing much. So keeping it no. consistent, right? No, it's uh, we're not changing anything. The formula stays and always will remain the same. That's good. Cause awesome. the, the bottle chase is getting harder and harder to keep up with all these other things that everybody keeps coming <laughs> out with. It's like these one time runs and exactly then everything's just crazy. Right. But no, the, the consistency, um, I guess paying tribute to everybody that came before you and understanding and, and paying homage to all that as well is I think what makes it very unique. So. That's what the, I mean, really, that's what the, uh, the whole bourbon heritage is about. You know, it's remembering about what was put forth before you and what they had to do to put us here to begin with. So, and that's the way I just view my job is just preserving that heritage and that history in the brand's identity. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks again. Um, if you guys, 
uh, want to follow us on Twitter, uh, we're at Bourbon Pursuit, and also Instagram at Bourbon, at Bourbon Pursuit. Sorry, and uh, if y'all have any suggestions or you know guests you want to hear, please let us know, and also reach out to those guests and demand that the they go on our show because sometimes they don't always respond. To yes, us. yes, we've had had a few problems with people saying, "No, nah, we just don't feel like promoting ourselves or uh, anything like that." But uh, <laughs> which again, I can understand. Yes, uh, but Greg, thank you so much again for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Uh, now we got. We got makers in the books, right? So another big distillery knocked off of our bucket yeah. list. So hey, guys, awesome. it was it was my privilege today. Thanks for coming out. Absolutely. Right. Thank Absolutely. you.